This is my journey, inspired one story at a time. A library of leaders was created. It began as a journey to learn. As time went on, it began to grow. All it needed was a platform, and this podcast was created to listen, to inspire, to share. I am a storyteller, and this is my journey. Welcome to another episode of Profiles in Leadership. I am your host, Steve Anderson, and today our guest is Carl DeRosa. Carl lives in Flagstaff, Arizona, and has an amazing career in healthcare. Rarely have I seen someone who just reaches such high levels in many different aspects of the healthcare system as a very skilled clinician, a researcher, an educator, a business owner, and a high-level executive. You, would, you can hear him discuss how proud he is of creating the Summit Center, an innovative collaboration effort between orthopedic surgeons and physical therapists, which is housed in the first ambulatory surgery center in the state of Arizona. The surgeons became so impressed with his culture of his PT practice that they actually hired him to be the CEO of their medical practice. Carl also was instrumental in developing the physical therapy school at Northern Arizona University and was their program chair for 18 years. You know, Carl is, he's just a wealth of knowledge and really always fun to talk to. So let's dive right in and uh, you can hear his passion. Carl, welcome to the program. It's really great to have you today. Well, thanks, Steve. I've, I've been looking forward to talking to you, and I, I really appreciate this uh, this opportunity to chat. Well, that's that's great. So why don't you just start with sharing with us uh, where you grew up, and uh, when did physical therapy hit your radar? Well, let's see. I, I grew up in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, so I'm still uh, the biggest Cleveland fan who uh, has probably ever lived. Um, I, uh, awesome. I went to Ohio. <laughs> I went to Ohio University in Athens, Ohio, and that's where I did my undergraduate work. And uh, uh, it was um, it was there that I met an exercise physiologist, and um, he's he's actually pretty famous, you know, uh, internationally. His name was was uh, Fritz Hagerman, and Dr. Hagerman was the um, U.S. Uh, advisor to the Olympic rowing team, and I, I got to. Um, work in his lab, exercise physiology lab, and uh, training athletes and testing athletes. And he's the one that actually said to me, you know, have you ever thought about a career in physical therapy? And I, I really didn't know anything about physical therapy at the time, but he was kind enough to set me up with some physical therapists in the Athens, Ohio uh, area. And um, I became sort of enamored with what they were doing and felt like it matched me. And, uh, and, uh, I, I ended up applying after I graduated from, um, Ohio university, I applied to a number of physical therapy schools and got accepted at the Mayo clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. And that's where I did my physical therapy training. Oh, that's great. So you go to PT school at the uh, Mayo clinic and, and, uh, uh, so what was your first position as a physical therapist? Well, I stayed when I graduated from the Mayo Clinic. I stayed there um, to work. It was just an exceptional uh, learning environment. I mean, it's 
there were so many different, um, you know, human conditions that traveled to Rochester for, for care. Um, it was a, a clinical experience that was just, uh, you know, beyond uh, comparison. And so after I graduated, I, I stayed um, there for several more months working as a staff uh, therapist and then um, decided to head out to California and I took a position with the University of California Davis Medical Center there, which was the regional county hospital as well as the teaching hospital for UC Davis Medical School. So once again, it was just um, a rich, rich clinical environment to learn from. And so that, that was sort of the first position. Th those were the first positions that uh, I was immersed in after graduation. Okay. And so how did you get to Arizona from there? Well, while I was at the UC Davis Medical Center um, working, um, I, uh, I, I got involved with um, some mentors who were at the University of California Davis Medical School, and they um, um, made me aware of a graduate program in human anatomy, which were really rare at that time, and a lot of anatomy uh, graduate programs were more at the microcellular level, and this was um, human anatomy. And um, and so I enrolled while I was working full time. I enrolled in the graduate program in human anatomy and graduated with a master's degree in human anatomy from University of California Davis. And sort of coincidentally, when um, I graduated um, there, I saw. In a, you know a um, an announcement for a new program that was opening up uh, in Arizona, a new physical therapy program. In fact, it was going to be the first physical therapy program in the state of Arizona. They were recruiting faculty, and I had been doing some teaching in Northern California in neurosciences and in orthopedics um, at that time. I I decided to cast my uh, cast my name in the uh, in in the hat went out to um, Flagstaff Arizona to interview uh, the funny story on that I, I it was February when I interviewed I um, changed planes I flew from Sacramento to Phoenix um, then Phoenix to Flagstaff I got off the plane in Flagstaff and there were 45 inches of snow on the ground I thought I got on the wrong plane <laughs> oh my in, gosh <laughs> in, in Phoenix because I had never yeah. I'd never been to Arizona before yeah. and I thought it was all you know all desert you know here I am it's 45 inches of snow in February oh my uh, gosh yeah but it, but the, you know long story short I I, I really loved the opportunity. There was um, uh, th there was going to be three founding faculty for that uh, program uh, to develop it. The university was clearly in support of it. It was a it was a you know beautiful community. Um, and a, a side story on that, Steve, is I, I I took a walk from the university up to the hospital. And uh, just to, you know, scout out the uh, local medical center. And I let the um, uh, and I met the chief administrator at the hospital and said, uh, you know, I'm interviewing for this position at the University of Physical Therapy. And my wife's a physical therapist, Mar Marlene. She's a physical therapist. And and, you know, we just want to see what opportunities uh, might be here. And I, I talked about her and everything. I flew back to Sacramento, California after the interview. And Marlene says, How'd the interview go? I go, 
well, pretty good. I go, I think they might offer me the position. And she says, well, the hospital already called and offered me a position. <laughs> <laughs> nice work. Nice work. <laughs> yeah, so it was, it was really, uh, really good. And we came out here and, uh, and have been here ever since. It's a beautiful community. We raised three children here and, and uh, it's, uh, it's, just a, it's just a wonderful place to live and work. Oh, that's great. So now you're a part of the PT school and and, and developing that and, and creating that program, but you uh, also went into private practice. So tell us how you went into private practice and became a business owner. Yeah. And, you know, you're, you're probably, you know, the same, this same early era that I am where it was really rare that, um, physical therapy faculty were engaged in practice. So a lot of, you know, it, um, faculty in physical therapy programs, you know, had sort of retired from practice and they were, they were teaching in physical therapy programs. This institution, Northern Arizona University, um, was unique in the sense that they wanted the faculty to continue in clinical practice. And that was rare in those, in, in those days. This was in the uh, early eighties. And, uh, and so, um, I, um, I had been collaborating um, just uh, with uh, some educational pieces with a, uh, a physical therapist in Sedona, and he trained with James Syriax uh, in England. And, um, uh, you know, manipulation wasn't part of any curriculum or anything like that. But, well, we had such an interest in spines um, that we collaborated and opened up a clinic that was focused on spine care, uh, cervical and, and lumbar uh, spine problems primarily. And and uh, that's how the practice started in the early 80s. And it was very focused on that. And then it grew um, fairly fast. And we expanded out of, out of um, the, um, uh, you know, the spine area. And we're doing a lot of sports medicine. It was primarily orthopedics at the time. So that's how it started. The university actually encouraged that, that, uh, keeping your hands in clinical care. And that's how the practice started, just a small spine clinic. That's great. And then that developed, I think, into uh, what, you, what you called the Summit Center. So um, mm -hmm. why don't you tell us a little bit about how that, uh, how that got started and how it's evolved? Yeah, um, where we, uh, when we, we were working in uh, that practice, um, it, you know, it started to grow and the, um, I, I always joke, people ask uh, me and they ask my partner, his name's Phil Sauer, you know, what, what's your business plan? And I, we would joke, we would say, well, our business plan is to try to get Marlene to leave the hospital and come over and work with us. So that's what, our, <laughs> yeah. that's what we wanted to do. Um, and eventually that did, uh, that did happen. You know, she came and worked with us. But we, we um, moved from a small two-person clinic um, to um, a space um, that allowed us to grow to about uh, seven therapists. And then um, in um, about 2000, um, a group of orthopedic surgeons um, who I'd been working with for now 20 years asked um, if, if we would consider um, joint venturing with them on building a um, uh, really a regional musculoskeletal center with an ambulatory surgery center. And that was the first ambulatory surgery center in the state of Arizona. So we 
you know, we put all, uh, you know, all our resources together and designed a uh, building um, that uh, housed an independent physical therapy practice. Uh, there were 12 orthopedic surgeons e eventually that uh, came into that mix that grew to 16 after that and a surgery center. Um, and so it was it was a true uh, one-stop shop, so to speak, for, you know, musculoskeletal care. Uh, and, uh, you know, we were working with a lot of the uh, sports teams, the high schools, the university, and that's, that's what the summer center summit center, um, ended up being was this large, um, musculoskeletal, um, regional center for Northern Arizona. Well, that's great. And, and I also, uh, didn't you own a health club as well? Didn't you uh, purchase yeah. a health club? Because, uh, you know, my experience has been that uh, very few PTs have been able to make that successful because it's kind of like, you know, a PT clinic and a health club are two very different beasts, even though uh, yeah. they seem like it should be easy. And so you were able to make that successful. And I think uh, that that's rare, at least my observation. Well, you're right. It is, it is very... Um you know, it's a tough business, but it's, it's a very interesting business. The, the, you know, your customer is different than patients. And I think that's, that's where the challenge is. I think when physical therapists look at, you know, health club or gym opportunities, um, they've got to understand that the customer is, is very different, but the, um, a, a gentleman who was building, um, a health club in the community uh, approached me and he said, you know, I, I really believe in physical therapy. And he was funding the whole health club. He was, a, he was an attorney that just wanted to get out of law. And um, he, uh, and I said, he said, would you rent space if I, you know, built um, the health club? And I said, sure, you know, it, it would, it'd be a great opportunity. It gave us a West side location uh, in the community. And so we helped him with the design of it. And it, it's quite large. It's like 24,000 square feet. So it's not, it's not a real small health club. It's 24,000 square feet. And um, we, we, um, then we rented space from him in the health club and the practice grew pretty fast, but about a year and a half into him owning the health club, he approached me and said, um, this is a harder business than I thought it was health club business. Would you consider buying it? And I said, well, let me talk to some partners here. And again, long story short, we, um, uh, made him an offer he couldn't refuse kind of thing yeah. and uh, and uh, and so uh, for 20 years now we've owned um, the health club and we had an, have an integrated physical therapy practice uh, in it and um, it's been a wonderful ride it's a it's a beautiful facility number one um, but it allows us to do some programming um, with sports and wellness and 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 health and lifestyle management um, that y'all I always thought could be part of physical therapy practice. Um, and, and now it really is. I mean, it truly, our profession has moved toward really helping people with lifestyle management and health and wellness. And that was in, in the year 2004, 2005, you know, we started those lifestyle management programs there and it just made practice that much richer and more fun. Yeah, that's that's great. That that's really impressive. You know, I know that in the practice too with the Summit Center that you had a very close relationship with orthopedic surgeons and you know, we're going to talk more about that later when you went to the next level with them. But I'm intrigued because uh, that's often a personality that's not easy to deal with uh, 
with egos and some challenging, you know, uh, business yeah. positions and so on. So how are you able to do it so well? And, and, and what do you think the, the, the formula for that success is? Well, you know, uh, you know, if I, if I had to put my finger on one thing, Steve, I, I always took the approach with, um, um, you know, meeting potential referral, um, uh, sources, you know, and, um, and I, and I didn't want to like, I didn't feel I need to tell them what I do. Like, here's what we can do. Here's what physical therapists do. I, I honestly, truly tried to just learn about them and, and socially, you know, and, and, and more become friends with them than, you know, than the, the clinic piece, because I was truly interested in, you know, what their life was about, you know, how, what's their family doing? It's, it's it sort of, the opportunity to do that in a small community like Flagstaff um, is there, you know, it's um, you, you see um, these friends at, you know, your kid's soccer game. Cause, cause there's no suburbs here. It's just one town. You see them at the grocery store. And so I think it was, the, it was developing the relationship with them. That was a little more personal than business that, you know, I think, uh, invites some of those, you know, trust factors and, and they know how you think, um, type of thing and they know what your values are, um, and, and, and those type of things. And so I think that's, that's how the relationships involve as opposed to me trying to sell physical therapy to them. Well, you just gave a short course in uh, how to build relationships and I know you to be a a wonderful relationship builder. So uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. And it wasn't just orthopedists. I mean, you uh, did something, I believe this is true, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you actually developed uh, relationships with cardiologists and actually had them referring uh, to the health club or to your practice, which uh, is not the normal um, PT referral source either. Yeah, that was, that was again, one of those fun um aspects of uh, you know of a growing practice and uh, you know i the the a group of cardiologists there were five six of them um that um they came together and they decided to build uh, you know a large uh building um that um would house their practice um they were going to put a small little interventional suite in it and so i i went and talked to them and um you know, just ask them, you know, about, um, you know, uh, physical therapy, you know, in that building. And it's interesting, their, their, their uh, perspective on physical therapy was really cardiac rehab, and that was it, you know. And, um, you know, the conversation was, you know, as, as you know, we, we, we go out and talk and things like that was, you know, the orthopedic model, um, they have surgical cases and non-surgical cases. And, you know, so we see these patients post-surgery, but the non-surgical cases, physical therapists really can help those cases. The cardiologists, most of the time they were looking at, um, you know, either medications, you know, or, or interventions. And they, and they really hadn't thought about the exercise piece and the lifestyle management piece. So, we ended up just renting um, um, a small room in their building and again set up an independent physical therapy practice that was um, uh, 
pretty much across the street from where our health club was because they just they happened to build their building across the street from the health club. So the model that we created was treating not only post um, uh, surgery cases, um, but the majority of the case the of the patients we saw were non-surgical cases that we were treating with exercise and lifestyle management. And then we can trans we could transition them over them, transition them over to the health club for lifestyle, further lifestyle management uh, programming. Yeah, that's that's really impressive. You know, um, when I think back to your story too, so I just think it's really intriguing how uh, you know, you're working alongside these orthopedic surgeons and, and you did such a great job that they actually came to you later in your career and wanted to hire you to run their business as their CEO. So explain a little bit about how that came down and what was it like being the CEO for an orthopedic practice? Yeah, well, the uh, I you know I was still at the, all this time I'm still at the university and I was the chair of the program at Northern Arizona University for 17, 18 years, and then then I stepped back out of the chair position but stayed as a full time faculty after seventeen uh, after seventeen years, and um, the physicians um, approached me. Uh, about um, serving as their CEO before they did a national recruitment uh, type thing. And at that time, they were looking at merging with another orthopedic practice, uh, physician practice, and um, th the cultures of the two orthopedic practices were so different that I felt like, eh, I don't think this this would work too well. But I didn't tell them that. I just said, oh, the timing's not right. And, uh, and um uh, Two years and and that merger never happened. And then two years later, they approached me again because they did hire somebody who didn't work out, and they said, "Would you consider it?" And I go, "Well, the timing is right." And so I took the uh, position, and um, you know, I told them I didn't want to um, um, retire, so to speak, from physical therapy, uh, the physical therapy world anymore. So I told them I would do it for probably four years or so. Um, and, um, and then, but I would create the transition for them. And, uh, it was one of the most fun experiences I had. Um, you know, I was managing two surgery, surgery centers. One was there at the summit center. Another one was down in Prescott Valley, Arizona. And um, it was a fun time because um, three of the physicians were on the tail end of their career. They were going to retire. And I, I had a chance to contribute to the type of new blood to bring to our community, you know, with orthopedic uh, practice. So I uh, successfully recruited um, the, the new physicians to replace the retirees. I learned a lot about the physician assistant um, uh, profession um, because I was, you know, hiring them as well and, and watching uh, um, their work. And, um, and we, we, we did well. The practice uh, did very well and the surgery center um, did well. And it was, it was, a, it was fun, very much a fun experience. Um, I had every, every um, uh, month, you know, we had a uh, board meeting, which basically were all of the orthopedic uh, 
positions and me, and I'm presenting the agenda and the plan and the strategic, uh, you know, things we should be doing. And um, you're right. I mean, they have opinions and they express them. Um, but I always found physicians to be um, um, very attentive to facts, you know, and data. And, uh, and they're very data-driven uh, individuals. And so I think it was easy to present strategic planning when you had the data to uh, support it. So it was, it was an absolutely wonderful experience. Um, and uh, I really debated whether I wanted to, you know, st step out of that or just continue on. And they asked me to stay on. And I, I, I just, I wanted to get back to uh, some evolving things that were happening in physical therapy education. And that's, so they understood that, they respected it. And, um, and so, I, you know, here I am now, like, like Michael Corleone uh, said in The Godfather, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. So I, <laughs> I'm, I'm working in, uh, you know, in uh, a, a, some really unique aspect. It's an exciting time, I think, for physical therapy education for a lot of different reasons. So, yeah, we're, we're going to touch on that a little bit later, but I'm curious, did they look at you as a physical therapist or did they look at you as a business person? Or how did they perceive you as, uh, you know, their their leader running their practice? I, I think it was more of a, of, of a business leader. I, I think, um, you know, I think a couple of the physicians, the leadership physicians, you know, uh, when I was, um, um, you know, being recruited for that position and, and interviewing them said, you know, the reason we're interested in you is because we feel that you build culture and and we feel we've got big gaps in our culture and we know how important culture is and so i think it was more of that sheet, the business part and I, I don't mean the you know the, the profit and loss sheet but it's more of the 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 building of a business um that's found that has its foundations on building a strong culture which i i i just think is fabulous that you said it that way because i've always been of the opinion that uh, physical therapists have a great um, ability in, in how they're made up and the relationships they build of being uh, high-level executives in healthcare systems. And yeah. uh, you don't see too many PTs um, in those, you know, hospital systems or other big systems as uh, CEOs and high-level executives. And I've always thought that's a shame because I think we do have a skill set that uh, that would really be conducive to that and, and um, be great leaders in, in those arenas. Oh, you're you're absolutely right, and I, and I think physical therapists have you know that gene that understands how important you know culture is. You know, you when you look at you know successful physical therapy practices and 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 uh, really any medical practice, a lot of it is um, about the culture that's uh, you know been developed there and how it's it's continually, it's not just words on a board, you know, our mission statements sitting on a, on a, on a, on a board or on a business card and nobody even knows what it is, but it's really, you know, trying to live that culture day to day. And I, and I, and I, and I'm sure that's really why the, I think, the, you know, to relate it to physical therapy, I think the, the orthopedic um, surgeons saw 
the wonderful culture that was in the physical therapy practice. And I don't want to pretend like it was because of me, you know, it's, if you surround yourself with people better than you, you're going to have a good culture. Um, but they saw it, they, they, it was always observable. Um, what a great culture is in the physical therapy practice. And I think they wanted to, they, that's what they wanted. Yeah. Well, that's a real tribute to you. I've, I've always been so impressed with that and the congratulations on just, uh, um, you know, showing the rest of us uh, what can be done. So it, it's, it's impressive. Now I'm sitting here thinking that, you know, you got this private practice and then you're the program director of a PT school. And, and then I know that you went and became the CEO of this orthopedic practice. Um, how many full-time jobs can you have at one time? I mean, <laughs> well, you know, I think, you know, the, it's funny that you asked that because one of the retreats, you know, uh, that I had when I first got to the uh, CEO position with the orthopedic surgeons, I had a retreat because I just wanted to talk to them, you know, you know, two months in um, about, you know, what the vision was and things like that. And I, I could sense how stressed, you know, a lot of them were about everything, you know, finances and their future and their debt and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I, suggested to him at the retreat, I remember this like crystal clear moment that you, you, you know, we're all looking for that work-life balance and what you have to be careful of um, staying away from is making work-life balance be a zero-sum game, meaning, you know what I mean, is if a little more work, then that means a little less life or a little mess, more life, and that means I got less time for work. And it, it's really, I think, the ability to to integrate, um, you know, the, um, the, the integrate your work. And what I mean by that is... Um, not the not the widget making part of work, but this just the joy and the passion and the thinking about um, work. Integrate that, you know, with your life as well, and um, and then you know it, you're sort of excited about getting out of bed and, and getting going because it's it's not work, but it's actually part of your life. It's part of you know who your being is and who you are. So you know that's 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 I think I was lucky in being able to um, not have a zero-sum game of work and life because there was a true joy of, you know, these building new things uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, opportunity in uh, with work. Yeah, well, you described that well because I, I agree that if you look at them as two separate things, then there's always a wall between them. So, yeah. you know, you're just running up against the wall all the time. So if you can just look at it as being not – work life, not, you know, um, leisure life. It, it's, it's, it's just my life, you know, and you go yep. in and out of different levels of intensity, depending on what's going on. Uh, t to me, that's always worked well. And it sounds like that was kind of your approach too. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it was interesting at, at that retreat, a couple of the young physicians, you know, sort of pulled me aside at the end and just said, you know, thanks for that discussion. Cause I never really thought like that, but, but here's what they said. They go, when I look back, like in my residency and the, the, you know, the, 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 the faculty, I mean, the, not the faculty, but the, you know, the, the, um, uh, orthopedic physicians that I, I truly emulated and truly wanted to be like, 
that's what they had. They had integrated, you know, work and life, and they would they, they had a work life balance, and they were as busy as can be, but they were they were joyful in what they were doing. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely the key. So, looking at the business side of things and the physical therapy clinical side of things, who were your mentors? Who were people that you looked up to? Uh, who who gave you the uh, the joy and the inspiration to go as far as you have? Oh, I tell you what, it's 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 a it's a big list, um, uh, but you know, I think I was lucky. I, I when I teach in um, physical therapy uh, programs, I I always suggest to students that that first position you take is one of the most important positions because that's where you'll start to develop your value system and your you know your role models, and that's. I, I offer that to the students because that was really what happened to me. My first mentor was a lady named Mary Lou Stone um, at the UC Davis uh, Medical Center, and she, you know, was so far ahead of her time in in uh, you know concepts of professionalism, um, you know concepts of um, you know the patient come comes first and and being an advocate. I mean, I learned so much from her as just a, a young physical therapist coming out. She was truly, you know, one of my uh, one of my first mentors. I think at the university when I came to Flagstaff, um, Richard Borden um, was um, uh, an unbelievable mentor. He, you know, he was the program chair. Um, he kindly took me under his wing to show me the ropes. Uh, yeah, I had, th that was my first physical therapy uh, position. And um, he, he gave me the, he, he unleashed me, you know, he, he, he just let me figure it out. But, you know, reposition me on the right path, you know, as, uh, uh, as I needed. And so truly Richard Borden, uh, was a, uh, a fabulous, uh, fabulous mentor. And, you know, I think, uh, this, I mean, it, I don't want this to sound corny, but I think Marlene, my wife has always been a tremendous example of, of, um, you know, what, a, what a physical therapist is all about. I mean, she just goes, to the, the, you know, to the end zone for any patient. It doesn't matter, you know, and it's, it's she's really a, a tremendous role model in that, in that regard. Well, she has an amazing energy. I mean, whenever you're around her, you just feel her positivity. You feel, I and mean, she's always got a smile on her face and um, yeah. yeah, those are fun people to be around. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think, you know, I think we, we all, um, uh, you know, you know, look in the profession at people we, you know, we, we, we pick up little bits, you know, in pieces from, I, I learned most of my, um, political, my APTA political stuff, uh, from Blair Packard. I mean, I, I watched Blair work in the house of delegates. I watched how, um, you know, um, uh, how, um, he would just, you know, take on tough challenges uh, in a real level, easygoing way. You know, I consider Blair uh, one of uh, one of my mentors. Uh, you know, as well. I mean, just fabulous guy for the uh, APTA responsibilities that we all have. Yeah, that's great. So now you uh, stepped out of the program director at the university. You've uh, stepped back from the orthopedic practice and. 
And uh, but now you're back in the saddle as the program director at Rasmussen University, developing PT educational programs. So, um, haven't you retired like about three different times? What's uh... I have? I, I am on my, I'm on a continual road to retirement, but I just never get there. You know. <laughs> That's great. So tell us about that uh, new thing. Uh, I don't know how new it is, but what you're doing now, and then what what's motivated you to get into that? Yeah. Well, you know. Um, in health professions education, and <clears throat> this really started um, primarily in medical schools, um, there was increasing attention to um, competency-based education. Is changing the medical education model um, to you know what's what's framed as called it's called competency-based education and physical therapy um, about you know four, five, six years ago, really started to talk seriously about uh, competency-based education um, in PT programs. And, and competency-based education has a lot of different definitions, but my definition, you know, just from a like a working definition really is, you know, show me what you know when you know it. And that's that's really a, a classic definition. So it's it's not so much time based, but it's more you know that you've got these authentic um, uh, scenarios um, that you know a student has to show they're competent at. And um, th what our profession's been talking about this now seriously for um, several years, and a couple PT programs have integrated a small bits and pieces of competency-based education. But Rasmussen University is a competency-based institution. I mean, that's what they're known for. They have one of the largest nursing programs in the United States. And so they they were they made a decision to um, start a doctor of physical therapy program. And so when I saw that, I wasn't really looking for anything at the time, but when I saw that, I you know, um, inquired about, um, you know, the opportunities there. And I served as a subject matter expert while they were building their curriculum. They invited me to do that. There were, you know, 12 other physical therapists that helped contribute to the curriculum. Uh, and then they, after I contributed some things at their summit in the curriculum, they asked me if I'd consider running it. And I said, I think this would be very interesting. So it was really the the attraction, Steve, was, um, can I help move physical therapy education closer to that end zone of uh, competency-based uh, a competency-based model? And that's that's what you know we've we're trying to develop now. I've got a a wonderful group of core faculty, and we're trying to build a you know a curriculum around uh, these competencies. Well, I, th I see a common theme running through all this whenever you're around people and whenever you're interacting with people they want you on the team so uh, it doesn't surprise me <laughs> you know looking looking back at your career um it has really been unprecedented and and you've been recognized with so many accolades including uh the maley lecturer the lucy blair service award a fellow of the APTA, uh, as well as the as the private practice section's most prestigious award the robert g dicus award yeah, it's been quite a ride. Um, you, you've you've really uh, hit some high levels, and uh, it's got to feel good. Well, it, it it's um, it's it's. I mean, this is an overused word, but it's it's humbling, and um, and then it's humbling with a capital H, 
and then it's humbling with all capital letters. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, it's just I, I've been so blessed with, um, you know, with, um, you know, you know, people nominating for for those awards. And and um, I, I, I'm just a, I'm a lucky guy. Well, and, and I think it's, again, from my left field observation, I think it's interesting how you've been able to, you know, there's some people that have um, uh, reputations and accolades like running businesses. And there's some people that have it for their clinical skill. And then there's some people that have it for running educational programs. And uh, I have to tell you that, you know, you're one of those guys that seems to have, can do all three at a very, very high level. And that's rare and that's impressive. So uh, I know you didn't pay me to promote you like this, but uh, <laughs> it's it's pretty it's pretty cool. So I'd really admire your ability to have such high level contributions in, in really uh, all three of those um, uh, different areas. Oh, thanks, Steve. I, I appreciate that. Uh, uh, you know, my wife always says it. It seems like you just keep looking for another mountain to climb, and then when you get to the top, you go, "Is there another mountain there to to climb?" And and it's been and it's it, it's really fun. But as you know, you know from your success in business too, it's it's that. Um, it's that ability to surround yourself with with um, you know people that they 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 just want to you know push a little bit and they're they're excited about what they're doing and when you get those people around you you end up being you know sucked in by their energy and that makes it you know all the more fun and 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 you're much more productive and it's it's a it, it's really a it's really good when you have colleagues uh, like that, and to me, you know, surrounding yourself with those colleagues has always been one of the most important uh, um, pieces for me. Yeah, and I think it's just that abundance mindset set where you just, you know, uh, soak it all in and and talk to people and build relationships and uh, get energized by others. And and you're right, uh, surrounding yourself with the right people—that's all part of the formula. So. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's that's awesome. So looking back over your career, um, what have been your proudest accomplishments? Oh, boy, let's see. Um, I, you know, I think what has to stand out is, you know, building the Summit Center was, um, I mean, Marlene and I still talk about that. How how did we do that? You know, I mean, we, we, we were lucky being in the right place at the right time. So I think that, um, truly, I mean, that, um, that stands out, um, career wise, um, in, uh, doing that. Um, I, I think, um, the, the Dicus award stands out to me as well. Um, but the reason Steve is because, uh, my family was there, my father was there, and my father got to sort of embrace the moment, you know, and he, he you know, he'd never been to those type of conferences or anything like that. But um, I, I, I mean, I can still picture him, you know, you know, out in the audience and, you know, I had actually um, gave tribute to him in my talk uh, that I owe, I owe that to him. This award really to um, the uh, the groundwork he laid and the you know the behaviors he had. Um, I think I I ended up modeling more of those than than uh, than I thought. Um, and then you know I think um, the other accomplishments I think um, just the successful um, um, uh, writing. Um, I mean it it made 
sound sound odd, but um, I really enjoyed, um, you know, getting my um, thoughts down on paper in, 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 you know, for publication and, and seeing what you were thinking in print um, is, is very, is, was very, very powerful um, for me, you know, and it was almost frightening, um, you know, when I, when I look at a publication and my name is on it, I'm thinking, man, I hope I said this right kind of thing. So I think all those, I mean, those are really varied. Those are really varied, but those, you know, one's building a building. Another one is, is more of a, you know, peer recognition. And, and then, you know, this last one, they're very varied, but those, those stand out to me as uh, really um, important parts of my career. Well, share with us a little bit about that writing side. I mean, you've authored some books and you've uh, written a lot of articles. Just give us a little feel for what that body of work uh, uh, is like. Yeah, well, and then this this stems back with just first opening up the um, you know the physical therapy practice with my uh, partner Phil Sauer. Um, it was a spine practice, as, uh, you know, as I uh, mentioned, and um, I really wanted to you know dive into um, the spine as as much as I could. And um, this, there was a lot of um, unique anatomy dissections that we had the opportunity to do at the uh, at the laboratory. And this was this was new knowledge to the physical therapy field because, it, you know, in the in in the eighties there there was a little bit of information about the spine, but you know, let's move to the shoulder and knee because we understand that mechanics a little bit better. And so there was a real void in the physical therapy literature on um, spine mechanics, um, you know, what was um, um, uh, the, you know, the, 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 the right way to train and exercise uh, the spine, um, it, which invited a lot of sort of odd treatment approaches. I mean, some of the things that were done for the spine, you'd never think of doing for the foot and ankle or the knee and, and the shoulder. Um, and um, it was really trying to sort of center the professional a little bit on on the spine. So I think the, the major contribution was really around not just evaluation and treatment of the, of the uh, of, of spine pain, but more importantly, it was the, the um, detailed anatomy and biomechanics um, and function of the spine, I think, that uh, ended up writing most about. And that was uh, done through uh, authorship of, of books and uh, research articles. Exactly. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, that's great. So now, uh, what's your advice to a new professional when they come into this uh, wonderful profession of ours, physical therapy, and they want to be the next Carl DeRosa? What's uh, well, well, first of all, I warn them about being the next Carl DeRosa because that you know, then they also have to like to cook and they have to like Bruce Springsteen and everything like that. But, but that, that aside, you know, I think the most important thing, um, is, um, you know, really explore. They're a new professional. That was what you, you said, and they're they're just coming out of school. And you know, you really got to look at who your colleagues are going to be, who your mentors are going to be. Um, you know, where you're where you're going to learn. And that's easy for us to say, but I know from working with graduates for a long time, they're coming out with with student debts, and they they just want to get a lot of it paid off. Um, and 
and so it's sometimes it's easier said than done. But my my advice is to really e- explore who you're going to be, you know, um, working hand in hand with on a daily basis, and you know what what can you give them and what can they give you um, in in regards to you know the, your uh, your professional life with them. So I think that's you know that's that's one um piece i'd offer um you know second is you know i think you got to step out of you know step out of your picture sometimes and you got to ask yourself the hard question am, am i happy you know am i am i am i doing what i want to do what what kind of change can i make that you know i think we understand more and more the importance of self reflection and um and self-assessment, and but I think it's the self-reflection piece that um, is really the uh, the the most important new paradigm for young uh, young professionals. Don't be afraid to self-reflect and see where you're at and where you want to go. Yeah, that's great advice. Now, you stole my thunder a little bit because I do know that you're a very big Springsteen fan. So, as a <laughs> lover, as a lover of music myself, what is it about his music, and what is it about uh, growing up with him that has so inspired you? Yeah, you know, I, I think that, you know, one just, you know, I love music myself. I play a couple instruments. And, and so first, the, the musical style was um was fascinating to me i loved the the saxophones and the you know and and the the keyboards that were always in there that it was a it was a it was a different sound sort of blended you know a lot of different genres t- together but then the the it was interesting how uh, i always felt it was interesting how he um wrote about where he was at at particular periods of his life you know and you know, he, he, and he's talking about these marginalized, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, punks on the on the Jersey boardwalk when he's a marginalized punk on the Jersey boardwalk. And then, you know, now he's talking about aging and what it means to be aging. And so I, I always appreciated um, the the, the uh, arc of, of his life um, that he just willingly um, shared. I, I'm, it's interesting because the, the book I'm reading now is the, the, um, um, the Renegades, the uh, Barack Obama uh, Springsteen collaboration. And it, it's remarkable how how much they thought alike like that. So uh, that that was uh, that was really, I think, what what intrigued me. It was they were really three minute movies. His songs were three minute, five minute movies about life, in particular aspects of life. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up that book. Just yesterday, I went to my uh, mailbox and. A friend of mine sent me that as a gift, so um, oh, I got that yesterday. So I'll uh, definitely great. dive into it. I mean, his his autobiography is one of the best I've ever read, so it's it's yeah. pretty pretty impressive. So uh, so Carl, usually at this time in the interview, I always ask my guest a common question, and that question is in relation to leadership. What is a pearl of wisdom that you can leave with, leave us with today? Um, I guess. Um... That's you know right off the top of my head, Steve. Um, I would say, know if you're a leader, know who you're really working for. So what what that means to me is this: um, when I 
when I, I'll give an example because I think it's the best way to explain it. Um, when I uh, was chair of the program, and I'm a chair of a physical therapy program now, um, I think I'm successful as a leader if I understand that I'm working for my faculty and I'm not really working for the dean. And that, that's sort of a reverse of the usual hierarchical structure. You know, you work for the, 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 the individual who's above you kind of thing. But I, I think that we, and maybe we, I learned this just from, you know, patient care. We work for our patients. You know, we're not working for the business owner, you know, kind of thing or the hospital director. And, um, and, and so I, I think a good leader understands who he or she is really working for and who they're just reporting those successes or needs to. And that's, that's how I, that, that, that's, I think the framework that is, um, you know, has, has, has driven me when I took the CEO um, job, you know, I, I, I told the board, I'm, I'm really all the physicians I'm really not working for you. I'm working for the staff. This is the group that I'm, I want to do everything I can so that they're successful. And I'll tell you, you report to you, you know, what we're doing. And if that's successful, you'll be successful. So I think that's what I would, would just off the top of my head. I think it's, it's, it's knowing who you truly are working for as a leader. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's well put. Now, you said it earlier that you're like the biggest Cleveland fan of all time. So how do you stay so positive and uh, excited uh, when, when you're pulling for those Cleveland teams? You've had some tough years. Well, because there's always next year, Steve. There's always <laughs> yes. next year. <laughs> you know, it's, just, it's, our, it's our mantra. I do remember, though, um, I was... I was uh, when, when Cleveland finally won a championship when LeBron James was with the Cavaliers. I was actually in Venice, Italy, and I had the game on my iPad. It was like three in the morning in Italy. You know, it was it was going on, and I just got tears in my eyes when they won that championship because uh, you know you growing up a Cleveland fan all those years. Um, it was so so great. But our 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 mantra always has been: we'll get them next year. We'll yeah. get them next year. <laughs> that's that's a good mantra to have. Well, Carl, this has been a real pleasure uh, sitting down talking with you today. I appreciate your time very much. And uh, again, you know, when you look at people and and um, that, that that come across your your career and and from time to time you you've always been one that I've thought wow this guy's really doing great things and so I've always admired what you do and how well you do it and so congratulations on a on a great career although uh, as we already covered today it's still going on so there's still more yeah. for you to contribute so uh, thanks for all you do well thank you Steve I appreciate this opportunity to chat with you it's always great chatting with you and uh, you know thanks for your leadership over the years for sure I I would be remiss if I didn't you know express that you you've just been a tremendous uh, uh leader in our profession and I certainly appreciate that Well thanks so much Carl say uh, hi to Marlene for me and uh, enjoy the rest of your day and this has been a been a real pleasure Sounds great okay you take care Steve All right take care Bye bye Thank you for listening to another episode of Profiles in Leadership. To listen to all my interviews, subscribe to Profiles in Leadership with Steve Anderson on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and many other popular podcast platforms. 
Some of these interviews are on video, and you can search YouTube for Profiles and Leadership with Steve Anderson. You can also access the entire library of interviews on my website, orange.coaching.com, and that is orangetheword.coaching.com, and go to the Media Center and click on Podcasts or Video Gallery. You can also enter the website from pilpodcast.com.